Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Waving Flag. Uh, I hope you enjoyed last week's episode about Blaze Sports and the great work that they do. Uh, again, huge thanks to Andy McNeil for, for coming out and doing that interview. Um, I know I learned a lot and uh, I think everybody else did too. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. Today we're going to be talking about a super interesting paper that I came across essentially about Mohamed Salah, the Liverpool soccer player, and his impact on Islamophobia. So I found this paper uh, written by Alarababa, uh, Marble, Musa, and Seigel from Stanford University, Yale University, and University of Colorado Boulder, respectively, um, about this topic, and it was super interesting. So it's titled, Can Exposure to Celebrities Reduce Prejudice? The Effect of Mohammed Salah on Islamophobic Behaviors and Attitudes. And I will, of course, leave the link to that paper uh, in, in the description. It was published by Cambridge University Press uh, earlier this year in, in June of 2021. And it's really, really fantastic work. Um, so essentially, I think we should start with, with kind of the basics. Who is Mohammed Salah? And he is uh, a winger or striker for Liverpool. He's been the top scorer in the Premier League for a couple of years. Um, he helped bring Liverpool their first domestic title in about 30 years, helped Liverpool win the Champions League, and his list of kind of uh, accomplishments goes on. He's a tremendous player who has been a huge part of Liverpool's recent success. And just uh, today or, or this weekend, depending on when you're listening to this, he made his 150th appearance today for Liverpool and was congratulated um, by part owner LeBron James. So now that you kind of know who he is, essentially what this paper was doing was testing to see if Liverpool fans, um, or just testing to see Mohamed Salah's impact, generally speaking, towards Islamophobia. Uh, and I think one anecdote that the, the paper shares early on that that's important is a chant that Liverpool fans started in 2018 uh, during a Champions League game. They said, they started singing, quote, if he scores another few, then I'll be Muslim too. If he's good enough for you, he's good enough for me. Sitting in a mosque, that's where I want to be. So that kind of illustrates uh, Mohamed Salah's influence already just by the, sh by the chant itself. Clearly Liverpool fans know that he is Muslim and they acknowledge that. And um, it seems as though in this chance specifically, they're supporting that fact and kind of playing along with it um, for their uh, supporting chance. However, the study is like a lot more in depth than just bringing up some anecdotal things uh, like that. It focuses on kind of three different um, aspects. First, it focuses on hate crime reports throughout England. Then it uses 15 million tweets from British soccer fans all over the country, or the uh, including Wales, I think. I'm not sure about that, actually. And also a survey of uh, specifically Liverpool fans. So I'm going to walk through all of those individual kind of aspects. <clears throat> Excuse me. So for the first one, it's hate crimes. So what they did is that they used 25 police departments all over England between 2015 and 2018. And they got all of their st statistics about hate crimes um, and specifically those related to, to hate crimes against Muslims. And then they used 
a predictive model. Um, I mean, there's a lot of math going on in, in the background of that that I won't go into that I don't fully understand. Um, but essentially, they used a predictive model to see what uh, Liverpool's numbers would have been like had Salah not signed for the club. So looking at trends of other surrounding areas and looking at uh, the trend in Liverpool prior to Mohamed Salah signing and kind of creating a predictive model based on that to kind of say where they think numbers would be had Salah never signed for Liverpool. Uh, The decrease in what actually happened in... um, in Liverpool, or specifically uh, Merseyside, which is you know where Liverpool is, the decrease in hate crimes observed in that area was unusual relative to the changes observed in other police jurisdictions. The numbers there, so where Mohamed Salah was playing, dropped tremendously compared to what they were expected, and compared to the surrounding area and other police precincts uh, all over the United Kingdom. In fact, it was about 16% less hate crimes compared to what was expected. So that's not, you know, a drop of 16% since Mohamed Salah signed because you could attribute that to other factors perhaps and just a positive trend of decreasing hate crimes. That's a 16% drop compared to what they expected it to be had Mohamed Salah not signed. And that's, I mean, that's a huge number and, and, um, and quite frankly, astonishing. Like I was, I was very, very surprised to see the extent of that number. And and I guess, um, pleased to see it as well, to see what a great impact, um, such as like a soccer player like that can, can have. However, the paper notes that hate crimes are, um, thankfully quite rare, and so they wanted to have more data for, for day-to-day stuff, if you will. And that's why they used the 15 million um, tweets. Specifically, they used tweets from people who follow um, sports teams or soccer teams specifically in the UK and post about soccer clubs. And then they did a similar kind of predictive model where they compared um, Liverpool fans to what they expected Liverpool fans to be had Salah not arrived at the club and compared it to other clubs as well. And the result was that there was a 47.8% drop in the proportion of anti-Muslim tweets compared to expected had Mohamed Salah not signed there. So essentially, uh, 7.3% of tweets related to Muslims were predicted to be anti-Muslim based on their model. However, with Mohamed Salah at the club, the actual number of tweets was 3.8% of tweets relating to Muslims being anti-Muslim. So clearly, again, a huge positive trend, nearly cutting that in half um, thanks to, to Mohamed Salah. Finally, they wanted to get the perspective of Liverpool fans themselves. Uh, without just, you know, looking at numbers. And so they sent a survey out um, to over 8,000 Liverpool fans to explicitly test how exposure to Mohamed Salah might lead to more tolerance towards Muslims. And so the survey was launched from October 2018 
to January 2019. And there were kind of two different surveys sent out there. Some of them got no information prior to the questioning and others had this little message that would pop up. And and I'll read it out to you. It said, quote, in addition to his goal scoring, Salah is known for an attachment to his Muslim identity, both on and off the pitch. After every goal he scores, Salah touches his head to the ground in prayer. He also fasts during Ramadan, except on match days, and shares well wishes with his followers on social media during Islamic holidays. He named his daughter Maka after Islam's holiest site, Mecca. End quote. So some, clearly some people in for the survey got kind of a spiel about Mahadun Salah and his uh, religious affiliation, <clears throat> and others got nothing. And the results showed that um, giving the survey respondents that information about Salah's religious practices boosted the belief that Islam is compatible with British values. So that was one of the questions in the survey. Um, was is <clears throat> excuse me is um, Islam compatible with British values? And those that got the little spiel about Muhammad Salah were had five percentage points more compared to the baseline rate of those who did not have that spiel. So, eighteen percent of people in the control group th- that did not have that little spiel said that Islam was compatible with British values, and that rose by 5% for those that got the little note about Muhammad Salah. And that's quite interesting. I mean, just by being reminded that one of their players is a practicing um, Muslim and that that essentially makes them think about how Islam is compatible with with British values. And 5% is is nothing to ignore, especially when there were over 8,000 survey respondents. So I think it's it's very um, substantial data. Now, I know um, you may think there are holes in kind of that data and the analysis, and the paper actually addresses some of those, and, and I want to point some of them out. So first kind of possible error, if you will, is that uh, there were two Islamic terrorist attacks at the Manchester Arena and the London Bridge, about one month before Salah was signed by Liverpool. So that could, you know, create a spike of anti-Muslim sentiment just prior to Salah's signing and therefore kind of give too much influence to Salah's signing instead of just it coming back down steadily post those um, terrorist attacks. However, the paper or the analysis was done again without data from Manchester and London. They kind of cut that data out in terms of the hate crimes as well um, as in terms of the the tweets, and they got exactly the same results. So that was not a source of error. A second possibility is um, that the Twitter results were kind of driven by an uptick in anti-Muslim sentiment among fans of rival clubs. So, for example, say Everton, who is big rivals with Liverpool, perhaps a lot more fans were posting anti-Muslim stuff because they were being beat by their rival club who had a a Muslim player. So what they did was they compared their 
or the when I say they, I mean the paper and, and the analyst compared their data to non-soccer fans, essentially the, the number of tweets and, and things like that to non-soccer fans. They just took the general population and the same result was found. So it wasn't more, there weren't more tweets about Mohamed Salah's um, being Muslim from rival clubs. It was just Mohamed Salah was actually decreasing the anti-Muslim tweets in Liverpool. And then the last kind of error that I, possible error that I want to bring up, I'd, I didn't spot any <clears throat> errors per se, but the last one they mentioned is that Sadio Mane, another important Liverpool player, is also Muslim. <clears throat> However, they make an important distinction between Salah and Mane, and that is kind of the media attention that they get specifically linked to their um, religion. And they statistically proved that Mohamed Salah gets a lot more attention um, and Sadio Mane doesn't have the quite the impact that, that Salah has. Now, that's not to say that Mane doesn't have an impact at all. Just kind of, they probably compound on each other, but the driving force really seems to be Mohamed Salah. Um, so that kind of, because that was a lot of information I know, um, but I hope it, it, it all made sense and, and please go read this this really, really interesting paper. Um, before before I end, I do want to say a couple things. Um, one is that this is not kind of an individual thing with Mohamed Salah having a tremendous impact in Liverpool. It can be really compared to, to other athletes, such as you know Jackie Robinson in the United States for civil rights, or or so many other athletes that kind of were the were the first to to be of a, a specific minority in such an important sport and kind of bring attention to that and, and normalize it. And I think that's happened all over the world in, in, in a bunch of different different sports. Um, as long as, you know, it's a popular figure that has, you know, contact with the population and, and is portrayed positively by the media, then they can really have an impact. And that's especially true when, when an important part of their identity is being, you know, that specific minority or specific um, religion. Uh, and so forth. So I think it's a very important tool that that we can't forget about, uh, especially when we see athletes like Mohamed Salah having such an impact. But I do have kind of one question that I still ask myself, and it's how different would it be if Mohamed Salah was not in the you know form that he is, helping Liverpool so much, and what if Liverpool was struggling and Mohamed Salah wasn't scoring goals and and, you know, things weren't going that well on the soccer field. And it makes me think back to, to some of the things we've talked about on this podcast before, uh, specifically Mesut Ozil um, saying that, you know, when when he played for the national team, he always felt as though when they won, he was referred to as German. And when they lost, he was referred to as the Turkish immigrant. And so part of me is uh, fearful that that is, you know, still the case in a lot of a lot of scenarios. But I, I really think the overall lesson from this paper is, is one of hope and one that when someone is really having an impact on their sport and part of their identity is being from uh, a local minority or, or a religion that, that fans may not be accustomed to, it really does have an impact on the area and on the fans and on the club and on the sport in a positive way. And I think that's that's really, really awesome and great to see. 
And so I just want to say thank you to, uh, to those who worked on that paper. Really excellent. And, and please go check it out. But that's going to do it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, tune in next week for another one. Have a great rest of your day.